0: Well, good morning. For those of you who I have not met, I'm Pastor Cliff, one of the pastors here at Arbor, and I am excited to be able to, we're continuing our series on good news from the Bible. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. I am excited about that. I want to start to this morning, though, by kind of leveling the playing field, and you'll see what I mean in just a second. So here's a question. I'd like you to annis this honestly. Here's the question. How many of you have screwed up in your lives? Raise your hand, okay, good. How many of you have screwed up royally? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. We got two hands, man. Yeah, I love that, yeah, yeah. Uh, so now we've established very clearly that we have three kinds of people, both here and I would bet $1,000 we got three kinds of people online as well. We got people who screwed up, we got people who screwed up royally, and we got liars. Right? I mean, let's be honest. That's what we have. That's what we have right now. We've just leveled the playing field. a fact, Ecclesiastes seven 7.20, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote this. There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. So there we go. Okay? we got a level playing field right now. What I love is that God is a God of reconciliation. He calls himself that. He says, I am a God of reconciliation, which means he wants to restore us the right place right and so let's just let's just as a bunch of screw-ups let's just pray right now that we'll be able to hear from him what he has to tell us okay let's pray lord jesus thank you thank you that you minister to us through your word that you speak to us by your holy spirit and that you delight in reconciling us with you so i'm praying this morning lord that every person who hears this every person who is here would would hear you speaking to them, would know how much you love them and care for them, would understand in a new way the great news that you want to deliver to us. Thank you for that. In Jesus name, amen. I want to start by telling you a little bit about him. He was in the prime of life. I mean Life was good. He was hitting it out of the proverbial ballpark, man. Everything he did seemed to work. He was a golden child on the fast track. He'd been given a position of uh, what seemed to be far above someone of his age, and yet he was, he was hitting it. He was meeting it. He was exceeding. His performance was outstanding. And, and people were enamored by him. They loved him. They thought highly of him. And without even knowing it, they started to put pressure on him to perform at this level that, that would ultimately cause him to crumble and to crash. But because of those expectations, he ran faster and faster and faster. And pretty soon, uh, he felt like he had to keep performing at a bigger level, at a higher level. And he was afraid to share with the people he thought were his friends because they all expected him to kind of have it all together. And he didn't want them to know he didn't feel like he did. And so without having someone to talk to, he began to get more and more kind of wound up on the inside of him. And then, and then he developed a little relationship with, with her. And she was a willing listener. She was an encourager. She, she helped him kind of get through things and he found that he could actually share things with her that, that uh, he was afraid to share with anybody else. And what began as a really helpful relationship ended up becoming an inappropriate relationship and ended up finally in an affair. And he couldn't live with himself. He couldn't live with his dishonesty, and so it wasn't long before it all came out and his life, as he knew it, came crashing down. He was kicked to the curb by his employer, by his Friends, some of his so-called friends, people who he thought were friends by his church. He was a broken man. His marriage hanging on by a thread. His life in what he felt like was a million different pieces, and he could see no way that it could, it could be reconciled. It was irrecoverable. He could not see how God could possibly ever use him again. But you know what I have found out? Is that God can turn broken pieces into masterpieces. He really can. God can turn broken pieces into masterpieces. And that really is good news. Well, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. It took some time. But he ran back to God, to a real and deep relationship with God. And he finally reached the point where he said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. And he finally dared to come into the doors of a church again. And, and, and they said, hey, why don't you oversee the kids' games? And so he stepped into overseeing the kids' games and just said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's all I want to do is what you want me to do, Lord. And God gently took him and began to put him in his hands, in God's hands. And God began to gently heal the hurt and mend the broken pieces well he'd never look the same again he would walk with a proverbial limp for the rest of his life he wouldn't hide his brokenness he was determined to say no I'm gonna be out there with it I'm never again gonna to try to look like I have it all together when I know I really don't and then and then people reached out to him and began to actually accept him with love and forgiveness and God began to use him again and bless him again and, and, and in different ways, ways that he wouldn't have dreamed or imagined. God directed him again, miraculously multiplied him in, mul- in different ways. And his life became a shining example that God can turn broken pieces into his masterpiece. God takes our broken pieces, and he miraculously multiplies them into his masterpieces that are demonstrated by his love and his grace. He was my dear friend, Dave Browning, who's now in glory. And Dave was a shining example that God turns our broken pieces into his masterpieces. Dave was the one to reach out to me when my life was shattered in a million pieces. When I thought, God can never use me again. And he said, Cliff, God's not done with you. He's not done with you. He specializes in using broken pieces. Did you know that? Like me. Like Dave. Like you. God loves to use that. He loves to use us in that way. I don't care who you are or how desperate your situation is or seems to be. God wants you to know that what seems impossible, what seems impossible is where He loves to start. I mean, He just gets started where it seems impossible to us. He can and will turn your broken pieces into His masterpieces if you'll only let Him. If you'll let Him by making Him not just your Savior, but your Lord. You know what? He knows the details of our lives. He knows all the details. He knows every screw-up of everybody who raised their hands. He knows the screw-ups of the people who didn't raise their hands. He knows every single detail of it, and he still loves you. He still wants to be in relationship with you. He still values you. He still will forgive you. It doesn't matter whether you're Andy or Sandy or Larry or Jimmy or Lili or Marianne or Mary Lou or Mary Beth. Even if your name is Cliff, He's willing to still use use you. Wow, Lord. Wow. You'll use use Doug and Dakota and and Greg and Kent and Karen and and, and throw your name out. Say your name right now. He'll use you. Say your name. Go ahead. It's it's an act of faith. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So today we're going to look at God's Word, at the miraculous multiplication that took place when God fed over, when Jesus fed over 5,000 people. You can find this in Matthew chapter 14, in Luke chapter 9, and in Mark 6 or John 6. And if you want to write those down, you can write them down. because I'm going to recommend you go back and read them. Each one of the, this is one of the unusual situations where this is recorded by all four gospel writers. And each one records it from a little different angle and includes a few details. Some of the others don't. So it's a fascinating thing. I am today... I'm going to just, I'm going to kind of give you uh, a, a rendition. I'll paraphrase all of them together, okay? I'll kind of put that together for some of the different details. And in the process, I'm going to ask this morning some of what I call reflection questions, okay? They're questions that hopefully you'll reflect on, honestly. Uh, You you started out, honestly, most of you, uh, saying that, you know, here's where I'm at. I'm going to give these reflection questions for you to honestly assess yourself and say, Lord, where am I at right here in this place? They'll help you identify where you might be in, in the story, in the big story, and how you can be used in God's story for your good and his glory even now. So we start, we start with this, Mark, Mark uh, writes, he begins the telling about this particular story, he starts by telling us that Jesus and his disciples had been very busy. They'd been very busy ministering to people, so busy that they hardly had time to eat, he says. A couple of the other gospel writers agree with him on that. And then Matthew gives us this interesting little tidbit. He says, then Jesus got news about John the Baptist, which may very well have been Jesus' cousin. And John the Baptist was beheaded. And Jesus got that news. It was very distressing for him. They'd been so busy. He turns to his disciples and he says, let's get out of here. We need to go away. We need to rest for a while. So they they get on a boat, get on the lake, and they start heading down the lake to kind of get away. He thought they'd go to this deserted place, a desolate place, the, the Bible says, where they can rest. Well, the lake, you know, I mean, the boat goes out in the lake and starts to go down. We're not talking about a, a speedboat here. So it takes its time going down the lake. The people on the shore see it, and they, they start running down the shoreline following it down. And meanwhile, they're going to all the little villages along the way. And they're running to the villages telling people, hey, Jesus is out there. He's going to be coming back. And we want to hear him. He, you know, the one who's been healing people, the one who has all these amazing things to say, to teach us, he's coming. And so, so by the time they get down the lake to this desolate place that they are think they're going to be all by themselves resting, there are literally thousands of people waiting for them. You can imagine the boat pulling up onto the shore, and, uh, and all of a sudden, here are thousands of people. And the disciples have been tired, they have been weary. Here's the thing, gang if you're going to be used by God, guess what? We don't get to choose when God will use us. We need to always be ready. We need to always be ready. Uh, the Apostle Paul would write his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, and he'd say, Timothy, you need to be ready to preach the gospel in season or out of season. And what he meant by that was, whether you feel like it or don't feel like it, you got to be ready all the time. And so they pull in, and they're tired, they're exhausted, but Jesus sees these people, and Jesus is willing, and His disciples are, are ready to follow Him in that Now, I want you to notice right now the difference between his disciples and some of those close followers of him and the thousands that are there waiting for him to get off. The difference is between participation and observation, okay? Between between those who are spectators and those who are going to participate. Some people participate, some people watch. So here's your first reflection question. Are you a participant with Jesus in ministry or are you just a spectator? Mark writes that Jesus had compassion on these people. He says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus gets off of the boat and begins to teach them and heal their sick. Compassion, Jesus' compassion, when we have that, it creates a willingness to sacrifice and to serve others. That compassion does. So all day long, or afternoon long, they're, they're ministering to people, they're praying for people, they're he, they're, people are being healed, and evening comes, it's starting to get evening time, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, hey, send all these people away so they can get something to eat, because there's nothing to eat out here, and they're going to be getting hungry, they need to eat, and Jesus says to the disciples, you feed them, they don't need to go away, you give them something to eat. And the disciples respond to Jesus by saying, like, like, hello? I mean, this is kind of, I mean, you got to be honest, this is kind of how they're responding. They're kind of going, come on, 200 days wages. We could work for almost, for eight months and what we would make wouldn't buy everybody enough to eat. So how in the world do you expect us to feed them? There's nothing here to do it with. Which makes me stop and think. Oh, here's a reflection question. Are you, A doubter or a doer? When the opportunity is in front of you, do you first think about what you can't do? Or do you say, Lord, I want to be part of what you're doing? Here's an idea. Instead of telling Jesus why it can't be done, can I encourage you to tell Jesus this? Just say, Lord, I do not see how this can be done. Show me how. Show me how I can participate. Watch, what do I have to do to be part of your miracle. What do I have to do, Lord, to be part of your miracle? I can't do the miracle, but, I, but you're God. And if you choose to do the miracle, you can. What do I got to do to be part of that? And then you watch. Because he will open the door and, so that God can turn your broken pieces into his masterpiece. So Mark says that Jesus turned to the disciples and said, what do you have? Go find out. So the disciples apparently split up and went to find out. What do they have? What's available? And here, Jesus is about to demonstrate a principle that we see again and again all through God's Word. And here's what it is. God doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. And whatever you have is enough for God to use. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a bunch of you right now. You don't believe me. You don't believe me. Oh, yeah. God says, whatever you have, you give it to me. It's enough for me to use it. Let me show you. What little you have is enough for Jesus. You don't believe me? Jump into the Word of God and see how even a widow who puts pennies in the offering bucket, Jesus uses as an example of someone who has given an incredible amount. What little you have those things that you think might not be worth anything? Jesus is saying, will you give them to me? What do you have that he might use? Oh, here's another question. Ah, what you have that he might use, have you made it available to him? Have you been willing to say, Lord, I don't have much. I can't, I can't speak well. Lord, I don't have much. My, my, my checkbook's really flat. Lord, I don't have much. But, but what I got, Lord, I got this little piece. I'm willing. To, it's yours. It's yours. Show me what you want me to do with it. Let me steward. Everything I have is yours. Let me steward it for you, Jesus. It was John who wrote that uh, all about Andrew, Peter's brother, finding a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. He says, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, can I tell you, first of all, we're not talking king salmon here, okay? We're talking, we're talking little fish. We aren't talking loaves of bread. We're talking loaves of bread, little tiny personal loaves, right? And, and so Simon comes and he says, hey, I found this lunch this boy has. He's willing to contribute it. But then Simon says this, but what good is that with this huge crowd? You know what he's really saying? We can't do this with what's available, Jesus. Just can't be done with what's available. Simon's question was really a complaint. Really a complaint. You ain't got enough, Jesus, there ain't enough here for you to use. Which makes me ask the question, here's your reflection question, are you an encourager or a complainer? Now, let me take a little side trail, I want to take a little rabbit trail here, but I think it's worth doing it. Because I think as you look at God's word, and as you look at people around you, you will find that people really prefer encouragers over complainers. It's just an amazing phenomenon. Let me give you an example. So, so um, most of you know that I spent some time in prison. Uh, um, those who don't, you may be shocked now. Now get over it so we can move on. Okay. Um, are you over it? Let's move on. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So, so if we're in prison, this is the cell right here. Let's see. It would come out to about right here. And then it would go back here, all right? So you're talking about about uh, 10 by 8, maybe, maybe. And two guys are going to live in that, okay? So now put yourself in this. Uh, it's you. You're going to be in that cell for a year. And the judge says, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to allow you to make a choice. You're going to have somebody in that cell with you all year long. By the way, the nice thing of it is you get food service. They do bring it right to you. <laughs> but you don't go anywhere, Okay? So you're going to be captured in that cell with somebody else, and the judge says you have two choices, A or B. A is a person who is amazing. They, are, they, are, they can complain about stuff you would never think they could complain about. I mean, when the sun comes up in the morning, it's either too bright and too hot, or it's, it's whatever it is. They can complain about anything. They find a way to make everything look like, like woe is me, man. That's person A. Person B is an encourager. And person B, they want to tell you, man, what God's got in store for you, that that he's not done with you, that that God loves you. They want to tell you that you're going to be here for a year, but you're going to get better. You're not going to get bitter because you're determined that God's going to use this time to grow you. I mean, that's the encourager. Now, here's the question. Who are you going to pick, the encourager or the complainer? I want to see your hands. How many are going to pick the encourager? Uh Uh-huh. How many are going to pick the complainer? I don't see any hands here. If you're online, you can write down right now online, or you can just, just say to yourself, I would pick this. Everyone here has picked the encourager except for some who don't want to go to prison, and they haven't picked anybody. Uh, but that's not a choice. Now, here's what, I want to, here's what I want to point out to you. No one here picked the complainer. Some of you know you are a complainer. Knock it off. Just <laughs> knock it off. Because nobody wants to be with you, including you. You voted to have the encourager. Oh, just Sorry, I'm sorry, I just got off. Totally got off. That's a side trail that's free. All right, it's not, don't, 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 don't give any money for that. Uh, let's move on. Only Jesus could see the solution to this problem. It's only Jesus that sees the solution. But here's the thing he wants us to know. If you're obedient to Jesus, he carries out the miraculous solution and he lets you be part of it if you're obedient to him he wants us to give him what we have god uses what we make available to him god turns your broken pieces into his masterpiece So Jesus says, bring them here. Them means the the barley loaves and the fish. He says, bring them here. And then he told the people to sit down in groups of 50 and 100, and they did. And it says they counted out about 5,000 men, not including women and children. So in that culture, just to be clear, women and children did not count. So when they counted, they did not count women and children. They wouldn't include them in the count. Here's a question I think that's fun for us to think about. There's not a wrong answer, so uh, there are some I would mock because they might appear wrong, but we don't know this. I'm curious, how many people do you think might have been there all total? you got 5,000 men, plus you have women and children. How many do you think might have been there all total? Anybody? 20,000. 20,000, somebody said. How many, how many else? Other guesses? 12,000, somebody guesses. 12, now 13,000, fifteen. oh, sorry. Um, so somewhere between 12 and, and, and 20,000, perhaps, right? If you're online, you can write in however many you think and you can pretend you're right too, because we don't know. But we know that there were a lot, probably well over 10,000. Now, I don't want you to miss this. There is a huge lesson right here. Who was it that had the lunch? The boy. Who do you think packed that lunch for that boy? The mama. mama. (laughs) We got a boy who doesn't count. We got a mama who doesn't count. Who God chooses to use in his miracle. Oh, wow. That's good. That is good. God uses those who don't count to be part of his miracles. You ever felt that way? Boy, I have. Boy, I have when I was sitting right inside of that thing. I felt like I don't count. I don't count. Society's got me where I don't count. They don't even want to count me. And God says, I got an idea. You give me what you have and let me decide how to use it. And I will turn your broken pieces into my masterpieces. Is that good? Turn to somebody next to you and say, that's good, man. That is good. That is good. Thank you. Thank you. One person did that. The rest of you suck. Man. Man, when the Lord showed me that, I was just over. I went, are you kidding me? Oh, that is so incredible, God, that you would just hide that right there in plain sight for people in 2021 to see. That there's no one you won't use. There's no one who doesn't count to you. And you want to make that really clear for us. Now I want you to notice something else about that boy that we can learn a lesson from. That boy gave it all. He wasn't walking around with a second lunch, friends. He gave it all. He didn't hold anything back. I, 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 I happen to believe this. We don't have evidence of this in the Bible, but with that many people, 12 to 20,000 people there, I am believing that there may have been some other lunches. You think? That people may have brought some food. But maybe when the disciples came up to them and said, hey, would you be willing to give your food to the, to the master? It was, are you kidding me? This is my lunch. Hmm. But the boy, he gave it all. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I would have wanted to negotiate. <laughs> right? I mean, if I would have been that boy, I would have said, you want what, Simon? You want my whole lunch? I mean, Andrew? No, 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 wait a minute, Andrew, hold on. How about one fish and two loaves? Let's, let's kind of work something out here. I, I'd like to keep a little something for myself. But when we are willing to give everything we have, that's when God says, watch the miracles I'll do with what you have. You just bring it to me. You just bring it to me. Oh, boy, we got to ask a reflection question, don't we? We just have to, really. Because the question you got to ask yourself is, have you given all you have to Him? Do you trust Him with everything? Or do you feel like you want to negotiate? God, I, God I'll, I'll give you this, but I'd like to keep this myself. Or, or, or are you feeling like, no, actually, it's all mine, I, and God, I'd like you to bless that. If you do that, friends, we are, you are eliminating the possibility of God using what you have to do the miracle. So that has, brings us to a place where you have to ask another question Are you a giver or a taker? Do you just want the food, want the blessing, want what God can give you, or are you willing to give to Him? And what are you willing to give? I'd give a phone away right now if I had that one. Uh, Okay, well, let's keep moving. Uh, Mark, Mark reports this. He says, so they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, or he gave thanks, in other words, some of the translations would say, and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them. God miraculously multiplies broken pieces. And so Jesus took that those that loaves and he broke it. And he took the fish and he divided them. He he broke the loaves and divided the fish. He broke the loaves and divided the fish. He broke the loaves, divided the fish, he broke the loaves, divided the fish, he broke the loaves, divided the fish. He kept doing it. And it kept going to the disciples and then the disciples took it out to the people. yeah So when did when did that when did the miracle take place? Oh oh The miracle took place when the pieces were in the hands of Jesus. Oh, wow. Oh, Lord, it's when we put our broken pieces into your hands, into the hands of Jesus... That he miraculously multiplies, that he miraculously heals, that he miraculously does things with it. Man, I'm pleading with you if, you, if your life is broken, if it is shattered, if it's in a million pieces and you think it's not worth anything, can I just encourage you to put it into the hands of Jesus? To say, Jesus, everything I am and everything I have, I'm putting into your hands. I'm giving you opportunity to work with it, Lord, because I can't do anything with it anymore. And watch, my friends, because God will turn your broken pieces into his masterpieces. And he wants you to see that here in his word. Did you notice that it was the disciples who served the people? They were engaged in doing that. They they willingly served even though they were tired. They willingly served even though it wasn't convenient. They willingly served even though I would imagine putting myself in their place. I don't think they felt like doing it. So here's the reflection question for you. Are you a server? Or do you just want to be served? Are you willing to give of yourself, or do you just want others to give to you? Satisfy your hunger. Mark says, and they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate until they were satisfied, but the satisfaction was only a temporary satisfaction of of physical hunger. They would get hungry again. Some got fed at a deeper level. Some got fed spiritually by seeing what was taking place. So here's the question Are you just looking to be fed and full? Or are you willing to be broken and blessed? I will. Are you just looking to be fed and full? Or are you willing to be broken and blessed? There's a principle here. There's a biblical principle here that God wants us to see. Once we commit all we have, all we are, into the hands of Jesus, he turns our little into more than enough. That's how God turns our broken pieces into his masterpiece. But friends, we have to trust him. We have to give ourselves to him we got to put ourselves in His hands. We've got to be like that little boy who says, I'm trusting everything. I believe, in the, I believe in the Master. Sometimes we actually have to allow Him to break us if we haven't been broken because that's who He loves to use, our broken people who are humbled and in front of Him and saying, God, i got nothing. He says, good, now I can use you. Some of you thought that your brokenness really screwed you up. It may have, but it's got you in a place where now Jesus can really use you. Hmm. We have to submit to his hands and then watch. Let him work with us, in us, and then he works through us. Mark says this, "...and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish." After everyone's eaten, after everyone is satisfied, someone has to clean up. Yeah, by now you're getting tired of my questions. Are you part of the cleanup or do you just clear out? Yeah. I think it's significant that each disciple picked up a basket full himself of the leftovers. Did you know that each disciple wound up with more in his basket than Jesus started with all total? What an incredible testimony of God's goodness and His provision. John wrote this, After everyone was full in 6.12, Jesus told His disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. I love the fact that God doesn't like to waste stuff. The hurt that you have in your life, the brokenness that you have in your life, the things that you have done wrong, the things that you have brought on yourself and and put you down into the toilet or wherever it's put you, I'm telling you, God will not waste it if you will give it to Him. Not only will He forgive you for it, but He will, will, in your humbleness, as you bring everything to Him, He'll say, watch how I'm going to turn that to good. Watch this. And He does that. Your broken leftovers, friends, will never be wasted in Jesus' hands. They have value. In fact, it was through those broken pieces that thousands of people were fed. And when we give our brokenness to Jesus, He provides enough for us and to care for other people. You see that? He provides enough for us and to care for other people. God uses our brokenness to miraculously care for others. To miraculously care for others. Man, he has used my prison experience again and again to miraculously care for others, and at first all I wanted to do was hide it. He says, oh no, I'm not going to let you hide that. Oh no, you're going to have to humble yourself over and over and over again, and then watch how I can use it over and over and over again. Have you been broken? Do you know someone who is in that place right now? Man, we've got to put ourselves in the hands of Jesus. And you know what he does with us? He gives thanks for us, he blesses us, and then he uses us to provide for others. God turns your broken pieces, yours, into his masterpieces when we give a little we have into his hands question is are we willing to take the risk will we trust him with our brokenness you know what our mission is here is to it's, it's people it's it's people to help people find and follow Jesus that's our mission to help people find and follow Jesus in order to do that we have to accept people who are broken we've committed to do that here we want people to be able to be authentic, to come with their brokenness and to know that they'll be accepted with love and forgiveness. We believe it's not over for you if you've screwed things up, if you've messed up, if you've made mistakes, if you your found yourself in a place of brokenness because we believe, we believe that there is hope for the future and forgiveness for the past. Amen? That wasn't near loud enough. Amen? Yes, God's given us hope for the future and forgiveness for the past, no matter how badly you have messed it up in the process. We know that God turns our broken pieces into his masterpieces. The question is, if you have been living life without that, what do you need to do to step into that? Friends, listen, it's as easy as A, B, C, and then D. All right? That's how easy it is to take your broken pieces. First, you've got to admit. You've got to admit that you're broken. You've got to be real about it. That's what, that's what, that's what we want to have here are people who are real about it. They're authentic about it. They're not afraid to acknowledge that. So you first admit it, and then you believe. You believe that Jesus actually can do what he said he, he can do. You believe that Jesus actually came, and when he was hanging on that cross, paid the price for your sins. He had convicted felon written on him because he covered mine. He's had all kinds of other things written on him because he's covered yours. And so we believe in Jesus, that he's the one into whose hands we need to trust ourselves. And the C is we confess. We confess to Jesus our brokenness and our need for him. And he says, when you confess your sins, I am what? Faithful, Faithful and just to do what? Forgive. forgive your sins. So he says, you confess it and I'll forgive it. So A, B, C, and then the D. The D is determined. Determine that he will be your savior and that you will live for him. That's the determination. And this morning, I don't know if you're online or if you're here. Uh, I want to just speak to you and say, man, if you can do that A, B, C, and D, if you haven't done it before, I want to encourage you to do it. If you're, if you're here, you need prayer afterwards, you're broken, you need prayer, we're going to pray this week up over here on my right-hand side, your left-hand side. There's a little bit more room there. And uh, after the service, we're going to have worship in a minute. After the service, I want you to come up here and get prayer. If you're online and you need prayer, if you're online and you've been so broken you don't know where to go with it, would you please find a way to connect with us? Either put it in the chat or send us an email. You know what, Arbor Church is very um, fortunate that we have a care pastor who happens to love Jesus and wants to see people healed. And Allison is, is she get a hold of her. She doesn't do it all herself, but she will find people to help you in the process. If you're online and you don't know what to do about it, then email her at, at, Allison at ArborChurch.com or whatever you've got to do, whatever you've got to do, find a way to say, Jesus, I want to put myself in your hands. Because I want to be part of the miracles that you want to do. And friends, that's the only way that this little church can have a big impact. But we can have a huge impact, a miraculous impact, when we let Jesus do that work in and through us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your word. Thankful that it speaks to us so clearly about how much you love us, how much you care about us, and the miraculous things you can do with even those things that we have messed up with those things that we have not done well. Lord, that you, that you want to do those things. We're so thankful for that. So we just, this, uh, this morning, Lord, want to put ourselves in your hands and say, would you, do, would you do what we cannot do on our own? Would you heal us? Would you mend our broken hearts and our brokenness? Would you heal our hurts and our hangups? Would you allow us, Lord, the privilege of working with you in tandem with you, of seeing the miracles that you will do? because we, we are willing to entrust what little we have to you. Thank you for that. We just give you praise and glory for that in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen, amen. amen. Let's worship the Lord.